Welcome to Moody's Mixer, Winning with Prostate Cancer. Welcome to the Financial Series, hosted by Corey D. Moody, an internationally known CPA, CVA for over 20 years, and a USA World Champion runner. The Financial Series focuses on Bible-based knowledge about our personal value and financial value from biblical days to present day. Speaking from years of experience in accounting, finance, and wealth management, here's your host, Corey D. Moody. So you're going to need to go to my Facebook page where there's the video as we go through the balance sheet and the income statement or net worth statement. So go to Corey D. Moody on my Facebook page and you can actually see the Excel spreadsheet that we're going to be working from today. Also, there is a link that will be attached. So you can go ahead and have your own net worth and income statement to use. But if you get a chance, go to that Facebook page and you can follow along through this podcast. I want to thank you. Uh, it's always good to be here and uh, I'm glad just to have another day. Um, this has been a big week for me, you know, personally and you know, to be here teaching this series is always a pleasure for me. I, I enjoy really doing this. And today, we're really going to hit the nuts and bolts. You know, you guys been hearing me talk and give some, some biblical base about value, net worth, and possessions, and, you know, and having money, that it's okay, and God speaks it in his word. And, you know, one of the things we're going to do today is fill out a net worth statement uh, or a balance sheet or personal financial statement. So they're called different things, you know, depending on who you're trying to fill it out for. And I do have a, a question, and hopefully this poll question comes across. I'm just going to launch this poll real quick. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to be in the Zoom meeting, actually, to, to answer this poll question. Um, and we're getting some responses um, that have you ever filled out a net worth statement before? And you may have and maybe didn't even realize that you've done that. And the reason I say that, because if you apply for loans or something at the bank, you know, a lot of times they have you list how much cash you have, you know, your assets and your liabilities, and it may not look like exactly what you're about to see, but what the bank has done is kind of decided or figured out what your net worth is by you providing that information. So it's always important to kind of understand what information you're giving to someone and why you're giving it to them. So, okay, I got some yeses and I got some no's. Um, no, so I got... No, don't knows. Uh, and that's okay. So the main thing is you may fill out a net worth statement. And we're going to really get into that. If you're in the Zoom meeting, if you go to the chat box, there should be a link, um, a value 
an income statement there. If you can click on that as I'm getting ready to share this screen with you. And I'm hope I'm hoping that people can see this net this net worth statement. Uh, it's called statement of net worth value. And it's as of December 31st, 2021. Okay. And, you know, tip what you would have up here would be your name. Uh, usually a date that you're, you're filling it out. And I got Leviticus 27 in there because, you know, we started this series a few weeks ago. Well, I guess about a month and a half ago now with Leviticus 27, three, where, you know, God was given a, a, a value. He was given instructions on how to value each human being based upon their age. And, and you can go back and listen to that and, and see for yourself. But what I kind of want to do is kind of go through this statement of net worth. Because what you'll find out if you really use this statement, and if you do it once a year, even if you're not applying for a loan or anything like that at all, you can see it, it can kind of help you understand how you've been performing or how you've been handling your, your money. And so it's really important, you know, to kind of always know where you stand. And I'm just going to scroll down a little bit because we're going to do actually a little bit more than just the, the net worth statement. We're also going to do um, what I call a statement of activities or income statement, a profit or loss if you're in business. You know, where we're going to have our revenues and our expenses. And at the end, we're going to have whether or not we're over or under on our revenues or expenses. And this is going to, we're going to, this is going to be a building block for us to do our budget. So it's going to be real important that, you know, you, you, you keep attending and cause we're going to build on what we're doing tonight, but I'm going to kind of talk about each one of these areas. And if you can see this, um, you know, it'd be nice if you can really go to the, uh, the chat and you can go ahead and download it and you can actually fill it out. And if it's not working for you for some reason, um, we'll get a, a, a statement over to you. Uh, I did forward one to um, Pastor Cheney in the email today. If you want to, you know, s put something in the chat with your email address on um, Pastor Cheney, be glad to go ahead and email it to you, you know, as, as you send that. So the first thing is, Cash. I want to make sure, um, Pastor Cheney, if you're there, can you see the actual um, statement on your screen? I want to make sure the screen is being shared properly. You there? Um, okay. Yes. You can. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. All right. So Sorry about that. that's okay. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's go ahead and kind of go down this statement. And so one of the first things you do is, how much cash do you have? Um, that's what you have in the house and what you may have in banking and checking accounts or savings accounts. You know, in savings account, we kind of have below the second line. But I want to talk about cash a little bit because over my years, you know, I've met with people that don't even have a bank account. You know, they go to these check cashing places every week or to the post office and buy money orders. 
And one of the things I hear all the time is I don't trust the banks. And I understand that apprehension or you may have some distrust in the banks or maybe how they get bailed out um, when they fail. Uh, and I understand that, but that should not preclude you for having a checking account, you know, at an institution that allows you to write checks or now have a debit card because that allows you to purchase and not always have cash on you. Because when you have cash on you, you tend to spend more. And one of the ways you maybe can stop spending if you have cash on you, when I found for myself is always have large bills. If I can have $100 bills in my pocket, I won't spend them because I don't want to break them. Because sometimes depending on where you are, where you're going, you need cash. You need to have cash. But it's always good to have a bank, someone that you can actually, you know, an institution that you can have a debit card uh, like a Visa, MasterCard, debit card, so you can spend money without having cash around in your in your pocket. And I would say maybe 20 years ago, I, I, you know, I remember when the debit cards came out. And just to kind of show you how things evolve, I, I was against debit cards. So somebody may say, Corey, you didn't like debit cards. You're right. I didn't like debit cards because debit cards didn't protect the consumer when they first came out. So I want to kind of clear that up because maybe some of you may still be under that impression that debit cards are bad. And the reason debit cards were bad back when they first came out is that there was no protection for the consumer. So if someone got your card and used your debit card, it could be two to three weeks before you got your money back. You know, you had to prove it wasn't you. And so what it was back then the debit cards were to help banks process transactions cheaper than when they had to process checks. So banks used to always have to process checks and they had thousands of people. They used to clear and go through the, the Federal Reserve to clear your checks every night. And I'm going to tell you all this story. I think the statutes of limitations are over, so I think I'm clear on this. So back in 1837, when I first got out of college, you know, I had five checking accounts and I was, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I had, you know, wasn't doing a whole bunch, but I had five checking accounts. And what I used to do was I could write a check from one account and I didn't need that money to a week and a half to cover that check. Because I could take another check, maybe two days later, deposit it. And another two days later, deposit the next check. So by the time I needed to have that money, it was a week and a half later. Because it took two to three days for checks to clear. Now, actually, I read about this. I didn't really do this. I read about it. But that's what people used to do is have three and four or five checking accounts. And they would do what they call kiting. But you can't kite anymore because, you know, as soon as that transaction hit, it clears. But the point I want to make about the debit cards, when they first came out, you had no protection as a consumer. Where consumers got smart and banks said, you know what, if we want people to use debit cards, we better give them better protection. 
you know, almost kind of like a credit card. You know, credit cards, you know, you can just, you can dispute the charges. You know, American Express is one of the best. You know, they, you know, you can dispute a charge. They, they take it right off your account real quick. Or you don't have to make that payment on it until that dispute is resolved. Well, with debit cards back in the day, you had no such rights. So if you're living under that impression or stigma still, it's, it's not there anymore. Still not as good as a credit card, but you still have protection and it makes your life easier. So this is really for, you know, I'm talking to people who are afraid of banks and institution. Don't be afraid of it because you're going to need those things to really build up your your, your cash reserves, because you don't want to have all this cash in your account. Now, there is a limit. You know, the FDIC only, what, they only insure up to $250,000 for each, for each uh, bank holder. You know, that's why some people have different banks, not because they're kiting. It's because, well, look, I got four hundred grand. i am only insured to two fifty, dollars so I'm going to go to this other account and put other bank and put another 150 and so all my money is insured but you got to understand people with millions of dollars they just you know that's not there and the chances of something like that happening you know pretty rare but not enough for you not to put money into the account and if you're like if you think like that I guarantee you you don't you're not reaching two hundred fifty thousand dollars but I just kind of want to get that clear about cash um, but this is, so I'm going to put in an amount. And if you, if you are on this, what you can do, you can actually fill this out. So I'm, I'm going to put in just a, a, a number. Let's say I got $5,000, you know, um, uh, in my checking account and, and my savings and temporary investments, you know, that's like your mutual funds, you know, um, you know, maybe short-term CDs, maybe some short-term investments that we may call. Uh, so let's say we got $2,500 in that. And you see, as I start filling in this form, you see my assets start increasing. So assets are something that we want. So remember, our value or our net worth is assets minus liabilities is our net worth of value. So you see right now, my net worth of value is $7,500. And as I put more things in, that number increases and so does my value. So assets are good, but all assets don't behave the same. And what I mean by that, you may have heard the term Certain assets you buy are, de are depreciable assets. They depreciate. You know, you probably heard the term, as soon as you buy a brand new car, the value drops as soon as you get out of the driveway. And that is true. For me, I never buy a brand new car. I buy a car maybe two or three years old, still under warranty, you know, just in case something happens. But I always buy used cars two or three years old, call me cheap, call me whatever, but I, I don't want to get that hit. Okay. So stocks and bonds, 
Now, stocks and bonds. So now these are, say you got stock in Coca-Cola or Pepsi, PepsiCo or, you know, Costco, you know, these companies that sell over the, the, the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, you know, the stock market, you know, you see that you see them on TV, you see them talking about the, the Dow's up so much today and went down so much. Well, when you invest in stocks and bonds, that value goes up and down every day, well, actually every second. So you can just, you know, just tomorrow, just learn how it works. Just pick a stock, a company that you like. Just look at it and see what the, the value is. And they have what's called the buying and buy ask. That's the buy and sell and they have a high and a low for the day. And I'm not going to get too much into it, but I just want you to kind of get familiar. And it's nothing to be afraid of, of how the stock market works. Now, I want to say a little something, you know, and I'm going to get a little beat up on it. But that's OK. I'm used to getting beat up by, by what I say. But, you know, you, you don't you don't control the stock market. And I remember I made a statement to someone. I, I, there, there was there was a, a gangster who was talking to another you know, good church going person. And they were saying, well, you, you know, you shouldn't gamble. Gambling is bad. And it, it is bad because it's a risk. Well, in my book, stock market is really the same thing. But those same people who would not gamble will go into the stock market. And I'm not telling you not to go into the stock market. I'm saying that because, you know, these first few weeks, we've really been talking about understanding what God really says and what's important. You know, when we don't control the outcome, we at risk. So before you talk about somebody who's gambling and you in a start market, you're doing the same thing. So just watch the judgment on that. And just want that's all I'm going to say on that. But the start market fluctuates but this is where a lot of people also may have their retirement you remember 2008 when the crash hit and a lot of people were going crazy oh my 401k went down and all that that's what happened because you know most of our 401ks are in mutual funds and stocks and bonds so when the market had a heavy hit the value of their stocks and bonds went up so let's just say I have $100,000 in my stocks and bonds in my retirement, okay? Now, unlisted securities. So this is for individuals who, who own a business. If you own a business, you may have what they call unlisted securities. Well, the reason I call unlisted securities is because you may not be traded over the stock market. You're just a privately held company. And believe it or not, UPS used to be a privately held company. But when they went public, boy, did a lot of people make a lot of money. And you might remember when Microsoft and you remember they said they had millionaire secretaries and all that. Well, because when they were working at the very beginning, they took a chance to say, well, you can pay us a little bit less and we'll take some stock. You know, I, we'll take a percentage of the company. And when that company went public, 
man, a whole bunch of people got rich. So understanding risk is important. And so that's why I kind of spend a little time on, on, on the stock market because, be, you know, us that are in business, we gamble every day. Because we're not guaranteed a paycheck unless our business performs. And we're the one who, who is putting in the policies, procedures, and the systems and making sure we make money. You know, that's why we're always trying to tighten the screws up because we got to make sure we're making money. We can pay the employees. We can pay ourselves. So if you own a company, you know, this would be the value of your company. And I'm going to spend just a little time on this because, you know, when you, when you fill out this statement, you know, they may say, you know, what is your book value of your company, your assets, minus your liabilities and the value of your company. And this is what you put here. But in the valuation world, it could be worth much more than the book value. And that's important when you're filling out your own net worth statement, because instead of you putting maybe book value, you may put the value of your company. So I'm going to say the value of these co my, uh, companies, say this person has a few companies and let's say they're worth $5 million. Nope, that's too big a number. Let's just go 500,000. I don't want to do that big a number. So I, so I got businesses that I own and they're worth $500,000 in value. And remember last week I talked about, you know, you, you know, a lot of times we feel trapped. You know, I, I work for a job or I don't have a degree. I don't have an education. You know, I can only earn so much. And that may be true on the true open market. You know, you trying to go find a job. But if you had your own business, the sky's the limit. You can earn as much as you want to with that. That's the beauty of owning your own business. But it's a lot of work. But if you feel trapped, then you start looking at, well, maybe I can start a business or buy an existing business. So there are so many ways to increase your value outside of your earnings. And we're going to kind of have all this kind of come together. And let's say automobiles. Well, you know, if you like me, my automobiles, I got old cars, you know, so my automobiles are only worth $10,000, let's say. But this is the, you know, if you go out to Kelly Blue Book, uh, um, Blue Book or the NADA, you, again, you can just go online and find out what the value of your car is. You don't need to pay for it. You can just go online. You can probably Google it and say, you know, how much is my car worth, you know, um, Intellectual IP, this is intellectual properties. And this is kind of what we talked about before, a little bit before. And I'm going to kind of skip over that for this right now. Um, but then we talk about real estate. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about millionaires. Well, I, be I believe 70% of the wealth um, for everyone is in real estate. That's most people's biggest asset is real estate. You know, what is your house worth? Not what you pay for it, but what is it worth? So remember when we had the crash back in 2008, it went down. You know, real the, remember to say the real estate market just dropped. Same thing with real estate. Still happens. But the one thing about real estate 
If you own it, you own it outright, you're debt free, you always got a place to live. And one of the things I used to always tell myself, if I'm debt free, I don't owe anything on a house. I can at least have a place to live. And if I got to go to McDonald's and get a job, I can at least pay my utilities and buy me some food. If the only thing I got to do is buy food and pay utilities, I can live. So that's one of the importance of having, you know, owning your own house, especially debt free because they can't take and you got to pay your taxes, your real estate tax. But you can do that again if you, if you had a minimum wage job. So making minimum wage or low wages does not preclude you from getting wealth. So let's say that like, um, you got a house worth $250,000. Okay. And personal property. So personal property is, you know, that's all your furniture and fixtures that you got. You know, um, collectibles, you know, like I have a baseball card collection that I've had since the 60s. And it's worth a decent amount of money, you know, that and I've been talking about selling it, trying to, you know, get some cash in. But I'm saying, well, maybe I'm just going to give it to my grandson. But but that's, you know, your, your jewelry, all that stuff. And. You can always insert new lines on this sheet. This is an Excel spreadsheet. So if you want to see it differently, so for instance, let's say I want to, <clears throat> I want to put my baseball card collection. Okay, so I can just put that there and I say, all right, let's say that's worth $50,000. Jumped up, okay? But, you know, my furniture and stuff like that, you know, let's say it's worth $25,000, you know, jewelry and stuff like that. And again, you say, you know what? I got some good jewelry. You want to insert a line for jewelry? Now, y'all don't laugh at me if I spell it wrong because jewelry's one-on-ones, you know, that J-E-W-R-L stuff, I get a little confused. Jewelry, I think that's right. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but just say you got some good watches and some diamonds, you know, hey, my jewelry worth about $50,000, you know. Okay, so now all my assets I have are worth $992,000 and $500, okay. And man, you say, man, my net worth is $992,000. Well, but we got to, now we got to add our liabilities. All right, I got bills. I got bills I got to pay, right? So um, these, let's just go in here. Let's just, just let's change this to to notes or loans. So I got all these loans, okay? And all my loans, I have about seventy five thousand dollars, okay? And credit cards. Oh, yeah. I got in credit card debt. I got a bunch of credit cards. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm snowballing in credit card debt. I got $30,000 in credit card debt. And so that's why, you know, in a, in a lot of financial seminars and things you may have been in, it's about being debt free, not having debt. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And there's 
there's things in the word that talks about, you know, being the borrower and not the, and not the lender, you know, and, you know, be careful of co-signing and stuff like that, because, you know, you get yourself in trouble, you know, uh, you know, any judgments, you know, do I have judgments, you know, maybe IRS, I owe IRS some money or something like that. Okay. Um, and maybe you got some other debt that you have. Okay. And we're just going to throw some numbers in here. Uh, let's put a good number here, right here. Okay. And my mortgage. Okay. And they say, okay, well, you know, my, my house was worth, you know, it used to be worth about 300,000. And when it, when it did that, I went and borrowed a whole bunch of money. And let's say I'm upside down in my house now. Now, this is my total liabilities. This is how much I owe everyone. That's $505,000. Now, my net worth or value is $487,500. It's the difference between my, between my assets and my liabilities. And that's how you get to your net worth. In these two numbers, your assets should equal your liabilities and net worth. So these two numbers should always equal. Okay. And we're going to fill this out in a little bit later. But now, this is, this is kind of the start of our budget. Okay. So let's say I got a job. I make $50,000 a year. Now, let's say you don't work. You say, well, I'm on public assistance. Well, there's a value you need to put to that. Because when you understand this, you're going to see yourself a little bit different. You're going to spend different. That's why this is important. That's why I spent so much time the first several weeks just kind of breaking through these strongholds from a mental perspective of what we think, what's going on. Okay? So um, if you get alimony or child support, you know, you, maybe you have some rental property. Okay, I got some rental property I get $15,000 a year on. Okay? Uh, any interest dividends, or any other type of revenue. So now I have my, all my total revenues. Now, if I come to the bottom and it says my change in my net assets, or let's just say my, my, um, let's just say my profit that I do for myself. This is, this is what I want for my profit every year, but I got expenses, you know, you know, I spend, I got a car note, you know, I got gas, you know, that's about $1,000 a month. That's about $12,000, you know, a month. You know, bank charges, you know, that's just, you know, the bank fees that you pay. That's why, you know, my clients, they really hate me. I say, stay away from the ATM machine, especially foreign ATM machines. What I mean by foreign, those that are not your bank, because, you know, they say, do you want to pay this $250? You say, ah, what's $250? Well, when you really add it to an interest rate, that interest rate becomes real high that you're paying, especially if you're just getting out $50 and they charging you $5. That's 10% just for that day. So, but so you you know, track your bank charges. So let's say $500 a month. And then my rent and my mortgage that I pay every month. Okay, uh, my mortgage is, you know, you know, $36,000 a year. Okay, it's $3,000 a month. You know, I, I spent about, you know, 
$3,000 on repairs and maintenance. And I spend, you know, about $5,000 on all my insurances. And you can break up your insurances to auto and life and disability. You know, I'm just kind of showing you just a quick and dirty. You know, my utilities, you know, and I kind of talked about it yesterday. When you see what you spend on utilities, you know, you start, you, you start turning lights off. You know, you start watching the AC, you know, especially when you leave or the heat when you leave. Let's turn, hey, we're gone all day. Let's, let's turn the heat down. You know, we don't need to be heating the house up when we're not there. Because this, is, this can be a real big number. So we're going to say $12,000 for that. Okay. And let's look at uh, what else we have. Groceries, man. You know, we spend maybe $1,000 a, you know, maybe let's say $200 a week. You know, that's about what? 10,000 a year. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 1,000, 10,000 a year or something like that. You know, that's, that's a lot of money on groceries. You know, if you got childcare expenses, you put that in. And it looks what, look, 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 look at what, what's left. Tithing off, offering. Well, if I come down here, I'm already in the negative. I can't even tithe. Well, really, we should be tithing off of this automatically. But it goes to show where we are for how much we spend. So let's just take this down to $12,000. Okay. And that's just living expenses. Then we got to get to our education expenses, travel, saving, loans to friends and family, meals outside. Well, if we don't do any of that, I got $7,500 left. Now, what we're going to do eventually, we're going to break, we're going to break this up into monthly, you know, every month. Because what I used to do, and I still do it, actually, is every month, you know, I check off all my bills to make sure they're paid. And one of the things you want to do that is to keep your credit good. When you have good credit, you can borrow money. And, some, and borrowing money in itself is not bad if you know how to borrow money. So borrowing money for what we call appreciable assets are good. Or if I'm buying a business that I know is going to, I'm going to get a good return on. You know, be real careful maybe getting it for a car. Because most people, you know, if you own cars before and you try to go trade it in, you're like, man, I'm upside down. And that's what happens. And then people say, oh, you know, I, go, I should go ahead and just lease a car. Well, leasing is probably worse than buying a car because leasing is so expensive. But how they get us on automobiles, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to spend too much time. We'll get into that a little bit you know, further on in, in today's series. Is we buy cars based upon monthly payment. That's why if you just go buy a newspaper, get the Sunday newspaper. Look at all the automobile ads. What's small is the cost of the car. What's big is the monthly payment. When you watch TV. 
They always want to tell you what the monthly payment is. Because that's how they sell us. But buying a car by monthly payment can be and usually ends up being a a bad financial decision. And we'll get a little deeper into that a little bit later. You know, that's why, you know, buying a new car, you're automatically upside down. That's why buy a car, even if you have to finance it, that's better than leasing 90% of the time. Now, if you got money and you like getting new cars every two years and you're not, you know, turning, you know, putting a whole bunch of miles that is costing you even more, well, maybe leasing works. But I hadn't seen leasing work for most people in my 35-year career. So, so now you have, now, now, now let's just put this in, if you, Remember I talked about eating out, eating out. And if you work every day, you spend $5 a day, you know, that's $25 a week. You know, that starts to add up. That's over $100 a month. And you probably spend more than $5 because you're not always getting a, 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 a happy meal or, or a, a meal deal. Every now and then you go to that sit-down restaurant with, with the staff and you're spending eight, nine, twelve, thirteen dollars. But watch it. And what I mean by watch it, that's why looking at this and you start keeping track. The very first class that says start writing down how much you spending money in all these categories. So now we're gonna have this form and we'll break this out, you know, as we get further into the series and we'll do it next week. We're going to break it out into monthly. I'm going to break this out so we can start getting our budget. And then you can see where you shake out. When you know where you are, you make better decisions. So don't, don't knock yourself over if it's not a lot of money at the end of the year or your, your, your net worth is real low. Don't beat yourself up. The key is let's start using some tools to help us with this so one of the things that i do you know i run all my stuff through quickbooks you know every month you know i know how much money i'm spending where you know even you know when my i i track even my kids how much i each kid i i gave them how much i spent for their education i got it all broken up i never told them this but i just always kind of like to know where the money is Where is it going? And, you know, one of the stories, you know, the reason I got into track and field and and, and sports and stuff is because I wanted a scholarship. And I wanted a scholarship because I didn't want to be a burden to my parents because my parents worked hard. And, you know, you know, even though we were, quote unquote, what they call middle class, you know, it wasn't that easy. And I said, you know, whatever I can do to not for them have to, you know, pay for my education. That's what I wanted to do. That's why I worked so hard in sports because I wanted that scholarship and I was able to have a full ride scholarship, but it was hard work and I didn't, I didn't want that. And I wanted to, you know, so now I was able to say, all right, Corey, we can get you a car because, hey, look, we don't have to pay for your, your, your schooling. We can get you a car. 
So that was worth it for me. So we're going to get a little deeper um, next week, but I kind of wanted us just to kind of go through this, you know, and let's say we want to take a trip, you know, 20, that's the family trip, $2,500, right? These meals end up being about $1,500. No, you know, we know we spend more than I eat now. But we want to break these up into our call living expenses, lifestyle expenses. Because what I want us to do to be able to kind of see what we're doing with our money. How well are we performing? So that's why this is important. So now I'm down to $2,500. And so next week we'll break it up into monthly. We're going to start you know, doing a budget. And we're going to talk a little bit more about debt, you know, and loans and stuff like that. But I want to read something, you know, and I, we talked about um, wealth and what our worth is and God put a value on us. And one of the sessions I said, hey, I'm 60, you know, at 60, my value decreased. You know, I went from 50 shackles from when I'm 20 to 60. But God said, when you get over 60, your value is only 15. He knocked a whole bunch off. But also, if you go to in numbers, numbers 8, 24. And this is when, you know, God was speaking to Moses. Uh, and this is where they, they was building the tabernacles and the, tw- and the 12 tribes and all in and. And one thing that was important, all the tribes had a specific task to do. All of us are not going to be doing the same thing. All of us are not going to make the same amount of money. It just doesn't happen. We got to understand where we are with our value of our life and what we're doing. I'm going to read this. The Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites. Men 25 years old or more should come to take part in the work at the tent of the meeting. Which means, men, if you 25 or over, over really 18, but let's say 25 over, you're supposed to be working. But, but this is 25, uh, um, numbers 825. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. And you remember I talked about intellectual property, man, and I said, you know, I'm 60. I ain't as valuable anymore. But then at 26, he said, those that are over 50, he said, they may assist their brothers in performing their duties, their duties at the tenor of, of meeting, but, but they themselves must not do the work. So when we get older, get over 50, we're supposed to be giving our talents and helping the younger ones. And I always remember my dad, you know, when I was in my late 40s, early 50s, I remember my dad used to always say, boy, this, you in your biggest earning potential right now. This is where you got to put the pedal to the metal. You know, and most of my peers, you know, we 60 and over, a few under 60. And I kind of realize now that I can't work anymore like I used to. I don't need to. 
but it's also for the enjoy the enjoyment of life what God has given me, but also to teach the younger ones. That is so important. You know, I had a young man that, you know, I worked with, you know, and I, I, I gave him, I fed him everything I could. And he made a comment to me. He said, I don't think you know what you gave me. I said, yeah, I do. I had to give you all I could because I knew my day was coming. But he said that they must not do the work themselves. This then is how you are to assign the responsibility of the Levites. Well, if that's us, if that's our, you know, if that's our, our family tree, are we still working and, you know, putting in the time? And, and look, I know we have bills to pay and things to do. I get it. But are we really following what we're supposed to be doing according to God's word? Let me say that's Old Testament. No problem. Talks about it in the New Testament too. But it's this understanding. We always can be on that hamster wheel. And I've been trying to get off it for the last couple of years. And I can tell you the relief that I'm feeling. And the clarity and just enjoying the time. And I remember telling to myself, you know what? Whatever I've done, whatever I earned at this point, it is what it is. I can't worry about it. But what I can do is go through this form here, see what I have, and see how I can play this out the rest of my life. So maybe I just need to be the chairman of the board, CEO. I don't even want to be the president of a company anymore, you know, in the day-to-day. Just call me once a quarter, go to a meeting, and get, let me give you some strategic, you know, um, planning and, and some things to do. I don't want to deal with the employees anymore, stuff like that. I don't want to do it. I'm too old. But the knowledge that I have and that we have as we get older, just don't be afraid to use it. And if we truly believe God is going to provide, where are we in this process? And one of the things he talks about in Genesis when he was talking to, to Abram, he says, we got to give an accounting of our possessions, of what we do. If we don't do this, we're not doing an accounting of what we're supposed to do. Accounting. Are you really accounting for the dollars that you have been put in? possession of are you being a good steward so i want to thank you for listening this evening and we really need you to really sign in on the zoom so you can see the screen you can work the forms as we work the forms live and then you'll have them in your possessions to work with them so i need you to go to coreymoody.podbean.com and again, you can go to my Facebook page. That's Corey D. Moody. You can actually see this podcast live or replay, but the screen's there so you can look at it. So go to that Facebook.
Thank you for listening to the Financial Series, hosted by internationally known CPA, CVA, and USA champion runner, Corey D. Moody. Don't miss the Financial Series next week at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for life-changing insight about your personal value and financial value based on biblical principles. On behalf of Corey D. Moody, have a blessed and prosperous week.